If you're a guest, uh, and this might be one of your first times around Journey, today is unique, kind of a unique weekend in that I need to talk with the Journey Church family quite directly today. I need to talk to the people who would call Journey Church their home. They may have been around here for a while. Uh, And so there's stuff in this for you who are guests. I want you to know that. But then I also want you to know this kind of a family, uh, fireside, sort of living room sort of chat if you will. And I need to address those of us who call Journey Church our home and are part of the Journey Church family because really, Journey, we are at another very historic crossroads in the life of our church. A handful of times in our just over five-year history, I've gotten to talk with you like I'm going to talk with you today. If you remember back a couple of weeks now, back to Vision Weekend, you'll recall that I told you that in the month of February, we're diving headfirst, headlong into a spiritual growth and capital campaign experience that we're calling Not Without You. And in all honesty, I've not been as excited about one of these ever. Uh, And those of you, uh, I'm going to be right up front with you about this, those of you who are working on inviting friends who you're having perhaps a long-term ongoing spiritual conversation with to one of our weekend worship experiences, consider this your fair warning. Be very, very sensitive in the month of February to where your friends and family and coworkers and classmates are as you think about inviting them to a weekend experience at Journey in February. Some seekers, as we like to call them, are way, way, way sensitive to the money God and church deal And we do not want in any way to set that work of God back in them as we talk real candidly about generosity and sacrificial giving and the like. Now, there's some seekers who you might be in spiritual conversation with. They would be challenged by that kind of message. That's fine. Invite them. But I just want to give you inviters fair warning and ask you to be very, very considerate of the people you're inviting, where they're coming from, if money's a turnoff thing for them. Just wait till March. Uh, and bring them with you then, if you will. Now, there's several purposes for this Not Without You initiative. The first is this, and it's always, always, first and foremost, when we embark on a season like we're about to embark upon, this Not Without You deal is about us growing up in our faith in Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. This is about us growing up in our faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. The passion of my heart, as well as the rest of the pastors and leaders around Journey, is that people, all people, would grow up in our faith in Jesus Christ. That we would actually all be growing to spiritual maturity. Now, I like, really like building things. I love seeing a project come up out of the ground where there was nothing to seeing something, like this field that used to be a field. We're sort of sitting in the middle of it right now. That wasn't very long ago. It was just alfalfa out here, and look what God did. That's very fun for me, absolutely. But at the very, very end of the day, you got to know that I'm way more into doing whatever it takes to connect people to God and helping them grow to maturity than I am about building buildings or soccer fields or parking lots or paying down debt or anything else that the Not Without You initiative is about. That's just who I am. Journey Church managed to grow to a church of about 1,200 without a building. God did that without a building. We went five years without building this one. Obviously, we're into building people, not into building buildings. We want to build spiritual maturity into your life, And in the month of February, we fully intend to challenge you toward maturity, and we're going to do it in several ways. First, starting today and going for the next three weekends, that's a total of four weekends, I'm preaching a series called Not Without You. 
And I'm going to be talking about what God does when all of his people show up, are in one accord about his calling on their lives. That's the month of February. Next weekend, for example, I'm going to be talking with you about preparing for God to do a miracle. And we're going to talk about Jesus' miracle feeding of more than 5,000 people, which, in case you didn't know, it's the only one of Jesus' miracles that shows up in all four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We think that's very strategic. It's in all four gospels for a reason. The second thing is that I'm asking you, especially in the month of February, to pray like you've never prayed before in your life. Pray like you've never prayed before in your life. We've written some prayer prompters, uh, one for each week in February. There'll be four of them. You're going to be getting those in your mailbox starting this week. And I'm asking you to take those, please, very, very seriously. Pray by yourself. Pray as a family. Pray while you're driving to work. Pray while you're at work. Pray while you're in the shower. Just pray, 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 pray. God moves when his people pray, doesn't he? God moves when his people pray, and I'm calling the church to prayer like we've never prayed before. Third, we're going to be challenging all of us to become mature in our giving to God. We're going to be challenging all of us to become mature, or at least more mature, in our giving to God. None of us can become like Jesus Christ unless we become generous, giving, sacrificial people. We just can't. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. This isn't on the screen or on your notes page. You might jot this down and look it up later. I'm going to read it to you. Since you excel, This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Excel in this gracious act of of giving. For us as a community to grow to maturity in Christ, we're going to have to grow in our generosity. It means we're going to have to help more people, serve the community more, serve the poor and under-resourced more, serve people around the valley more, serve people around the world more. See, the most mature people are the most generous people. And so we're going to work on our generosity muscle. We're going to work on flexing our generosity muscle in the month of February. And the Bible speaks real clearly that God uses the area of generosity to test our spiritual maturity. He uses the generosity deal to test our spiritual maturity. And fourth, Lord willing, we're going to get to phase two of the development of the campus of the commons at Baxter and Love. We're sitting in phase one right now. This building's about 30,000 square feet, about 400 paved parking spaces. That's phase number one. Way to go, God. Way to go, those of you who were a part of that. And we think that God has way, way, way more up ahead for us to be a part of through this campus. Watch this, if you would. You don't have to be around the life and community of Journey Church for very long to notice that we're not your ordinary church. Since we started back in the fall of 2005, God's been using Journey in spectacular and really quite amazing ways, doing things that only God can do. You hear us say it a lot around Journey. This is God's church, and we're vigorously hanging on for the ride of our lives. Every single day, we see the firsthand evidence that God is directing us way beyond our own wisdom, and he's blessing us certainly beyond our wildest expectations. I believe to my core 
that God's very best is yet ahead for us. Moving into the commons at Baxter and Love in the fall of 2010 was a defining season for us. Imagine the church that didn't just build itself a church building for church things, but instead built a building and started to develop a campus for the entire Gallatin Valley community at large, and then made it a regular ongoing practice of leveraging that place and that space for the entire community's benefit. Well, around Journey Church, we not only imagined it, but we actually did it. And now we're sensing the Lord's guidance toward what comes next for us. We have no doubt that over the next few years, together, we can make an even greater impact than ever before on our community and on the families of Journey Church. Would you enthusiastically join us on this incredible journey? It won't happen without you. In the fall of 2005, a few hundred people who were passionate about reaching people who are far from God and growing them up in Christ start to gather on the weekends at Heritage Christian School. And Journey Church is born. Realizing that a ministry campus from which to serve the community would be essential to the fulfillment of Journey's mission, in the fall of 2006, we began to pray, seek land, and raise money for our future campus development. Because we believe to our core that serving the community is integral to the mission of the local church, Journey continued to engage the people of the Gallatin Valley community on their turf. After a couple of years of prayer and land-seeking, Journey buys 40 acres on the northwest corner of Baxter and Love Lanes as the future site of our community center and ministry campus. The Commons at Baxter and Love opens its doors to the ministries of Journey Church and to the Gallatin Valley community at large. Unfortunately, a guest perception of our entire church begins not in here, not in the auditorium. It actually begins in the parking lots. A crowded, congested lot with too few spaces sends a signal to our guests that they're not important to us, which could not be further from the truth. Who could have known that the almost 400 paved parking spaces we built for phase one of the commons wouldn't be enough to accommodate all of our weekend experience guests? Constructing another 150 parking spaces will allow us to continue to invite our friends, family, neighbors, classmates, co-workers, and know that they will encounter a parking lot that communicates there's room for you at Journey. As part of our campus expansion, we will construct three collegiate-class soccer fields to serve the Gallatin Valley community. We're a church that cares about what the community cares about. And obviously, our friends and neighbors care deeply about soccer. An expanded and more versatile base camp, which is Journey Church's kids' ministry and classroom wing, is at the center of the Not Without You initiative. Our current base camp and classroom wing here at the east end of the commons buzzes with activity all week long. Hundreds of kids, zero through fifth grade, they learn the Bible in relevant, fun, and compelling ways from upwards of 50 volunteers during Journey's weekend worship experiences, and they're out of room. Celebrate Recovery, which is Journey's Christ-centered recovery ministry, all of our adult classes and Bible studies, small to mid-sized community groups, they gather over here all week long as well, and they require more space than we presently have available. Once we expand this base camp and classroom wing, we'll be able to serve our community in a fantastic new way as we open the doors of a Christ-centered, first-rate, affordable preschool and daycare, aiming in particular to serve the single parents of our community. 
Journey Church is compelled by the mission of doing whatever it takes to connect people to God. We also believe that the church, that's us, should be engaged in the ongoing, tangible, and beneficial service to the community. The Commons at Baxter and Love is just one way we've chosen to leverage the resources God's entrusted to our care to accomplish both of those tasks. Around the community of Journey Church, we're just crazy enough to take God at His word. After what he did at the Red Sea, at the resurrection, and on a whole lot of occasions in between, a project like Not Without You is a piece of cake for our God. I'm asking you today to please earnestly pray, seek God. How is he leading you to be a part of Not Without You? Pretty fun to see what God is doing and inviting us uh, to be a part of as a church community. A couple of funny things about the uh, architectural sort of flyover deal of the campus view. Did you notice that almost every car in the parking lot was a Nissan Armada? <laughs> I guess it's the official car of Journey Church. And then did you notice how every person standing on the soccer field was wearing a white trench coat? It's kind of weird. I don't know why that is. Kids will have to wear white trench coats when they play out there, I guess. You know what's a true statement? We always benefit from the sacrifices of others. We always benefit from the sacrifices of others. Every single one of us has benefited our entire lives from the sacrifices of other people. Our parents sacrifice for us. Some of them still are sacrificing for us. Teachers sacrifice for us. Soldiers certainly sacrificed and gave their lives on the battlefield to keep us free. We're sitting here, as a matter of fact, as free people today, free to worship God like this because soldiers spilled their blood and gave their lives. We always benefit from the sacrifices of others. You, as a matter of fact, as you sit here now, you're benefiting as part of the Journey Church community from the sacrifices of people who paid quite a large price for this room, for this building, for this campus, for this land. Four years ago, we did a spiritual growth and capital campaign initiative that we called LIGHT. Back then, Journey Church was a much smaller community than we are now. 414 families back then pledged to give about $2.57 million over four years so that we could buy this land and build this building. That's an average gift, by the way, of $6,200 a family. $6,200 a family. That is profound commitment, really. And that's just honestly the kind of commitment that Journey Church has been built on time and time and time again. You are a fantastically generous and giving community. You just are. And I know a lot of people don't have a clue and they just think that stuff like this, stuff like the commons just sort of happens. But you should know that it costs money to lead and pastor a church community of a couple thousand people to make an impact on the community that we're getting the real privilege of making. Those 414 families committed to give over a four-year period so that we could buy this land and build this building. We always benefit from the sacrifices of others. And great churches, they're not built on the gifts and talents of just a handful of people, but on the sacrifices of many, many people. Imagine if those 414 families hadn't done what they did. We, we wouldn't be sitting here today. And you know what those 414 sacrificial gifts mean, right? 
Those 414 people said, you know, some of them said, we're not going to get a new car for a season of time. We're going to cut back on our vacations for a few years. We're going to hold off on that major purchase, for example. Uh, For us, for the Hopkins family, we said, you know, for the next four years, we're going to give every dollar that we would invest for the future, that we would invest for when Brian is old and gray and isn't working 75 hours a week anymore and isn't drawing a salary anymore. And we're going to, instead of investing that in a retirement account kind of deal, we're going to give that to Journey. We're going to give that to Journey. And you look at that and you hear about people holding off on car purchases and sacrificing vacations and so, and you go, why why would people do that? They do that so that Journey Church could have a place to call home, so that Journey Church can become a more vital part of serving our community, so that Journey Church can keep doing whatever it takes to connect people to God and grow them to maturity in their faith all over the Gallatin Valley, across our state, across our region, maybe even around the globe. And I just want to say to those of you who are in on all that sacrifice, way to go. Way to go, and thank you. Heritage Christian was certainly a great spot for us to meet in for those five years, but we're home. This is home. Thank you for holding up what you had and giving it to make this possible. Now, something that's quite amazing. Since that light campaign happened over the course of the past four years, the size of our church has roughly doubled in that time. We've gone from a church of about 500 families to a church of over 1,000 families. That means that right now, today, we have more people around Journey who were not a part of the Light Initiative than were. And we're going to swing for the fence again, really. Not without you is what we feel is the next stage, the next phase in both our spiritual and our physical growth. And I want to say, I sort of want to unzip my soul a bit for you here. These capital campaign initiatives, they're really, really hard on me. They're the most taxing thing I've ever done in over 20 years of church work. I literally, I lose friends during capital campaigns. I lose friends during capital campaigns. My inbox fills up with nasty, anonymous email. Because you see, people get offended when we talk about sacrificing for the sake of God's kingdom But I make no apologies for that. I make no apologies for that. But I do need us as a community to be absolutely crystal clear about the why we're doing this Not Without You initiative. Frankly, why we do capital campaigns in general. And it starts with John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn there. John 3, 16 and 17. If you don't have a text, it'll be on the screen behind my head. John 3, 16 and 17. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Let's keep going. 1 John 4, 9 to 12. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. See if you see a theme developing here, John 13, 34, and 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. 
Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Romans 5, 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Romans 8, 37 to 39. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Our Lord, I'll go back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. There's no question. He is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes what? His unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. And then 1 John 3, 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. The theme is the love of God, isn't it? God loves you and he loves me and he loves all of humanity so much that he went to the absolute greatest lengths imaginable to prove his love to and for us. He didn't just talk about how much he loves us. He lived it. He did it. He walked it out, proving it to us. We do spiritual growth initiatives and capital campaign initiatives Because God loves people with an unstoppable and ever-abounding love. And he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross as our once-for-all sacrifice for all of humanity. And our job, church, is to bring the message of God's love to as many people as possible. In order for that to happen, it takes us growing to maturity in our faith, in our generosity, in our sacrifice. In short, it takes us doing whatever it takes to connect people with God. And in the few minutes we have remaining, I want us to camp out on John 3, 16 and 17 because they teach us so incredibly much about the love of God. And I don't just want us to camp out and spend time and learn some things so that we can know in our heads about the love of God, but instead so that we can be about living out this unstoppable, ever-abounding love of our Heavenly Father, John 3, 16 and 17. Let's talk a bit about the characteristics of God's love, first of all. The first thing we see from John 3, 16 and 17 is that his love for us is divine. God's love for us is divine. You might write that in your notes if you're taking notes. God loved and loves the world, which isn't like rocks and trees and mountains and sticks and such. The world is us. The world is humanity. Now, the love that we know about really is this human love deal, right? We sort of get human love, but human love is really fickle. It's subject to our feelings, right? We talk about loving food for crying out loud. We talk about loving the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're like, really? We talk about loving the Packers. You're like, really? Really? Love as we understand it is fickle, prone to feelings and such. But God, through this quite incredible revelation in John 3, 16 and 17, just attempts to paint for us a little picture of this whole other kind of love that's really incomprehensible, the divine, other-than-us love that is the greatest love in the entire universe, the greatest love 
ever, and it's so other than the kind of love that we get, that we understand, that we almost don't get it, do we? We almost don't get it. 1 John 4, 8 and 16. For anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. God is the definition of love. God is love. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love, and we have, haven't we? God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. This love that God has for humanity is divine. It's other, completely other than us. Second, his love is unspeakable. Notice that John 3.16 doesn't just say that God loved the world. Instead, it says he loved the world so much. And the little word so shows us the intensity. It shows us this unspeakable nature of God's love. And we can't exactly grasp how intense God's love is. Nowhere in the Bible does it attempt to define God's love. It only attempts to illustrate it. John 3, 16 and 17 is one of the greatest illustrations. Another is the Apostle Paul's description in Ephesians 3, starting in verse 18. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Not just know about it up here, but may you experience the love of Christ. And then look at what Paul does. Though it is too great to understand fully. He tips his hand there, doesn't he? Though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. His love is absolutely unspeakable. We lack words to capture it. Point three, God's love is eternal, isn't it? God's love is absolutely eternal. God's love for you and me and for the world, for humanity, had no beginning because God himself had no beginning. Now, some people, they hold to this view that God did not love us until Jesus died for us. Wrong answer. Not true. God's been loving you. He's been loving humanity for all of eternity. And because of that eternal love, he sent Jesus to die for us, Jeremiah 31.3. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel. Now, when Jeremiah is saying long ago, that's a long time because Jeremiah was several thousand years ago, and he's looking back even from that point. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. God's love is eternal. It had no beginning. It has no ending. It is eternal. Number four, it, it's a universal love as well. And in the United States of America, we often get this strong sense of ethnocentrism. Sometimes we get to thinking that just because we're Americans that we hold some special privileged place in God's economy of love and his kingdom's unfolding. John 3.16 3, says, uh-uh. God so loved the world not just our little part of the world, not just people that look like us, all of it. It's quite miraculous, isn't it? You think of the billions of people in the world, people of all kinds, people of all colors, good people, not so good people, and what? God loves us all. 
And he doesn't only love us when we're good and hate us when we're bad, huh? He loves us all of the time. Now get this, God does not love our sin. No way, because our sin is gross. Our sin is disgusting. Really, our sin is quite offensive to God. But he still loves us with a universal love. And number five, God's love is an unmerited love. His love is unmerited. And when we remind ourselves that God loves the world, we really have to sort of stand back and go, and you know, I could not do a single thing to earn his love, nor could I do anything to cause me to deserve his love. The Bible speaks of our righteousness being as filthy rags. Filthy rags. There is nothing, not a single thing we could do to earn or deserve his love. There's nothing really lovely in any of us for him to love. His love is completely and totally unmerited. Look at Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek and save those who are lost. Seek, running us down if need be, and save, save us. Those who are lost, and we were. Before Christ, we were lost, and not just lost on a little mountain trail. We were lost for all of eternity. Forever and ever we were lost. And God sent Jesus to run us down, to bring us home. Now let's look at the manifestation, sort of the working out of God's love. You know, it was very practical, wasn't it? God's love is incredibly practical because you see the very essence of John three sixteen is that God gave And he gave what was needed. He didn't give an irrelevant, useless gift. He gave us just what we needed, just in time. He gave very, very practically. And love isn't actually love until it expresses itself, which means love, in order to be love, must express itself. And love most often expresses itself by giving. Friends and spouses and lovers and parents all express their love By their giving. The tangible proof that God loves us is that he gave his son to be our savior. And notice John 3.16 does not say God sent his son. No. That would communicate a message that he came to do this special work that Jesus came and did that work and then what he did didn't really affect us. It is true. God did send his son. But he not only sent his son. He gave, gave his son. And that shows us that God gave Jesus as the once for all gift, great and practical gift. And he's not ever going to withdraw that gift from us. His gift was practical. Romans 8.32, since he did not spare even his own Son. He held nothing back, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? Over the course of the month of February, we're going to be talking about how, in light of God's very practical gift to us of Jesus Christ, how we too might be able to give practically so that others might know of God's incredible love for them. Second thing, God's love was unique, wasn't it? God's gift to humanity, which demonstrated his love for us, was his one and only son. That is one unique gift. 
Galatians 4, 4 to 5, in the words of Paul, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. You talk about a unique gift. And in the days ahead, God may prompt you to follow his lead and give a very unique gift to this Not Without You initiative as you seek to tangibly demonstrate God's love. Third thing, God's love was sacrificial. And man, was it ever sacrificial. God not only sent his son, he sent his only son. He had one son, and he gave him, thereby giving us his all. Now you think on what it cost God to give his only son, not just to come down here, put skin on, live a perfect sinless life, but gave him to suffer and die on a very cruel cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 puts it this way, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Some versions of the Bible put that God made Christ to become sin. Whoa. You talk about a sacrifice. That is incredible sacrifice. God's manifestation of love for us was incredibly sacrificial. And over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to be talking a lot about sacrifice about giving a sacrificial gift to this Not Without You initiative as each of us seeks to follow in the pattern of our God who gave for us so incredibly sacrificially. And when we think on God's purposes in his expressing his love for the world through his son Jesus Christ, the rest of the verse, John 3, 16, answers the question. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God's purpose in sending Jesus for the world extends to anyone and everyone. Salvation isn't just like a little special deal made available to a few. No way. God has swung open the doors of his love and his grace to everyone and it's up to you and it's up to me to be all about telling them of God's love. If we don't, who will? If we don't, who will? And one of the ways, just one of the ways, there's myriad ways, but just one of the ways that we get about telling people of God's love for them is through initiatives like Not Without You. It's an opportunity, really, to hold up our entire lives and say, God, how would you have me leverage my life so that I can make more room for more people to hear of your love for them? How, God? Now, there's going to be several kinds of reactions to not without you. I'm going to tell you what they are. Some people who are going to grow, some people are going to grow, and some people are going to give no matter what happens. They're just becoming more spiritually mature people. They're just on it. They don't need a special emphasis to be about it. They're just going to get right to it. And then there's some people who aren't going to grow. They're not going to give no matter what happens. And I do not mean this to be at all uncharitable, but we're not waiting on them. We're not waiting on them. Some people just live life in a state of personal pain. And church, what do we do when people are in personal pain? We serve them right? 
we minister to them. We help them. We put a serving towel over our arm and we get up next to them and we say, we're here to help you and serve you and love you. It's just what happens when people are in pain. We become quite selfish, introspective. It's all about us. It's just how it goes when any of us are in pain. And so people who are in pain, we help them. And then there's other people who out of materialism or other stuff, they don't want to grow, they don't want to give. That's okay. Really, really, it's okay. If you choose to take a pass on this not without you initiative, that's your choice. It is a no pressure, no obligation invitation simply to be a part of what God's up to in the life of our church and community. And then there's going to be people who catch the vision that God is unfolding for us as his church. And they say, me, we, our family, we want to be a part of what God's doing. We want to be history makers. We want to be legacy leavers. We want to leave something behind for future generations. We want to do something with our lives that's going to outlast us. And Journey, what's true is that your efforts to extend the communication of God's love by doing whatever it takes to connect people with him is indeed one of the very few things that will live on long after any of us, all of us, are dead and gone. It's eternal. It's God's stuff, and God's stuff is eternal. Journey, as you begin to set your things aside and just move into a posture of prayer, you can do that now. Will you just right now start praying, God in heaven, will you please help me really, really grow in the month of February? God, please help me really grow in the month of February. Help me grow spiritually over the course of the next month. God, please help me now be a conduit of your love in ways that I've only imagined. God, would you use me, please? God, would you use me, please? And while you're still praying... Maybe you're a person and you're here and you've never ever heard of this incredible love that God has for you. That's new stuff for you. If that's you, this might be your day to cross the line of faith into your very own personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This might be your day. And some of you might be wondering, well, how do I do that? How do I start my own relationship with the God of the universe? It starts really very simply with confessing to him. You confess to God, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that I've been going away from you. God, please forgive me of all of my sin. Jesus, I want you more than I want anything else. And Jesus, right now, I'm asking you to please forgive me. Please change me. And when you ask him to forgive you, he does. If you're praying that right now, he is forgiving you. And he's not only forgiving you, he's filling you with his Holy Spirit, which is the power of God resident inside of you. And if you're here and you're saying, yes, 
I don't just want to know about the love of God up here in my head. I want to experience the love of God in my heart and across the whole of my life. If you're saying I want to turn back to you, God, if you're saying, please forgive me of my sin, make me new, I surrender all to you. I'm not trusting in anything else but you, Jesus. Save me, please, God. If you're saying I give my life completely and totally to you, if that's your prayer, Would you very, very boldly right now just lift your hand high, lock eyes with me and just say, yes, that's me right here, right now, today. Yes, I see you over here to my left and over there in the back and over there in the back. Yes, I'm saying yes with you. I'm standing in agreement with you that God is forgiving you. Don't be shy. Yes, right over here. Yes, I'm saying yes with you. God's changing you. He's forgiving you. Yes. Holy Spirit is becoming resident inside of you right now. You're new. Just make sure I catch your eye, please. God, your love overwhelms and amazes us. And we fully recognize and admit that we can't even get our heads around it. But we try. And we try because we want to be givers of your love to people who have yet to experience it for themselves. God, make us your agents of love and grace and forgiveness and compassion and justice that's yours that points people to you. May your love abound in our lives across the life of this community called Journey, God. For your glory, for the sake of your name, for the sake of your kingdom coming, on earth just as it is 